How's everybody doing this morning? Now, I'm going to do, how many of you were not here, couldn't make it here last weekend? Okay, the only reason I'm asking is because I know how much to review. Let me see, how many of you could not be here last week and did not hear the message? Okay, so, okay, so there's not that many of you, but we will do some review. I will ask you to please listen to the entire message last week, because it's very obvious I cannot repeat the entire message this morning uh, and not be able to go move on to the, to the next part of this series. The series is called Faith for Today, and, and we're kind of underscoring it with, uh, I really, I, I'd like to call it everyday faith. There's a, you know, there's a difference between everyday faith. In other words, it's faith for the little things. We, we find, I don't know about you, but I think it's easier when a major crisis comes, it seems like it's easier to rally yourself against that big giant that's coming into your life and, and stir up the faith that you need in order to, to, in order to combat that. It's in the little things. It's the little everyday things that we seem like we lose it. It's in the little everyday challenges, the everyday things that wear on you. It's like, you know, that little, like, you know, you ever, you ever walk around and you feel like there's something in your shoe, but you just can't find it? Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Okay, it's like that little thing is just going to aggravate you all day long. Uh, it's those little things. And so we're concentrating in this series. And truthfully, this, I've taught faith many, 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 many times over the past 26 years. It's faith that has gotten my wife and myself and our family to this point in life. It is faith that has brought us to where we are. It is faith in Jesus Christ that did not cause me to go blow my brains out years ago. It is the faith of God that he makes available to us that causes you to get out of bed every morning with an expectation, wow, here's another day where God's going to work another miracle for me. Now, why is this important right now? Okay, Uh, I believe that all of our teaching, all of our preaching should be very relevant to the day that we're in right now. Now, I don't know if some of you might have noticed this or not, but uh, uh, maybe you've noticed that life is getting more and more complicated. Yeah. You notice that things are getting darker and darker and darker. Have you noticed that? Or is it just me? I don't know. No. So, so honey, listen, uh, let's just be truthful with each other. It ain't going to get any better from this point on. It doesn't get better. The Bible tells us it doesn't get better. We're heading more and more towards this final conflict of the ages and, and we're getting closer and closer. That's the world's view, but our view is this. We are getting closer and closer and closer to hearing that final trumpet sound, to hearing that shout of the archangel. We, we are getting closer and closer and closer. Now, uh, I know uh, as, as, as a leader here, our doctrine, we believe that the church will not go through the tribulation. I don't see how it's possible that the church will go through the tribulation, but you got to come on Wednesday nights to hear that teaching, okay? But we're still going to see some things before we're out of here. Are you listening? The the church will still witness some things while we're here that could shake us, that could cause people to really um, stumble and, and experience defeat. And that's not the will of God for our lives. It's not the will of God for our lives. His will is that his church be protected. His will is that his people would triumph. He's made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, the, the, the fact that he calls us conquerors tells us that there's something we're going to have to conquer. It doesn't mean that we're going to go through this life 
unscathed. It doesn't mean we go through this life unchallenged. It doesn't mean we go through this life and just like airheads, like nothing's, nothing's bothering us. It's the fact that we're gonna have challenges. There's a reason why we have the promises that we always triumph through him. He, he makes us more than conquerors. Through the Apostle John, the third letter that he wrote to the church, it says in, in verse two, beloved, and this is the Holy Spirit speaking. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through John the Apostle. So what I'm about to say to you is the heart of God through the Apostle John to the church. Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So what are we doing in this series? We want to have prosperity in our souls. When your soul prospers, you'll walk in the light of the word. When your soul prospers, you'll overcome the darkness that's trying to come against your life. Amen. To the proportion that your soul prospers is the portion that, to the proportion that you will walk in the promises and see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Amen. Amen. Should I continue? Yes. Okay, because let me know you even care, okay? Let me know that this is something that you want to hook up to, okay? Because here's what typically happens. We'll go through a series like this and teach faith from every single angle. And of course, you wouldn't do this, but there might be some people sitting going, ah, I've heard this teaching so many times. And then you don't realize that the week after we're done with this, with this series, major crisis might come to your life. And you didn't listen. Or you made believe, or you, you entertained the thought, well, I've heard these teachings so many times. The word of God is alive. Amen. It is very relevant to, the, to whatever season you're going through. And I, I, I like to think of it this way, and I've seen it proved out. Over 26 years, I've seen it proved out. When the Spirit of God, when I feel strongly impressed that we're supposed to teach on a particular thing, you look back later and go, that's why. That's why. So, so please, okay? Grab a hold of this. Because there are going to come things in life. They're going to come across your path. Things are going to come into your life that are not pleasant. Things are going to come into your life that are challenges. You have an enemy who hates you. Do you not realize that? You, some people think, well, I walk through life neutral. No, there is no neutrality. You either, 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 either you're in God's camp or you're in the enemy's camp. There is no neutrality. Okay? You have an enemy who hates you. He hates God, but he can't get to God, but he can get to you. That's right. And that's why you and I need to be equipped in these things. Amen? Amen? So, we spoke a lot last week about every day allowing your faith to put you in a position to receive from God. We talked a lot about this everyday faith. We talked a lot about holding on to it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly, now, most of us live swervingly all over the place. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Listen to that same verse in the message translation. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Now, if you don't have that deep in your heart, and if that's not settled in your soul, then every time a challenge comes, you're going to go, why did God let this happen to me? Well, is God going to come through for me this time? You, you notice you always put the attention on God, and very rarely do you put the attention on the enemy who's the one behind that thing. That's right. And if you continue doing that, 
then you're going to start questioning his faithfulness and question his intentions in your life. Don't do that. We'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. So, everyday faith. Every day we're, we're to allow ourselves, we're to get up in the morning with an expectation that no matter what needs I have today, and I'm not just talking about material needs. You know, we live in a country as crazy as this nation has become and as out of control that things seem to be. We still live in a country where for the most part, the poorest person in this country still lives better than some people overseas. This nation still has a lot of opportunities to get your needs met. There's a lot of opportunities for financial success. There's a lot of opportunities. So I wish you'd show me some. No, I can't show you. You got to pray and let God show you. Okay? My point is this. We have this tendency in the church. I'm not talking about just here in New Beginnings, but just the church in general. That whenever you say, you, 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 whenever you mention God as being a provider, right away our default is money. How many of us know people that have money, but they're miserable on the inside? How many of us know people that have money? They got all the money they need. Some of us know people, they can't even live long enough to spend all the money they have. But they're still depressed, still uh, going through uh, 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 intimidation, uh, anxiety, panic attacks. All that, what good is that money to that person? So if we have an expectation that God is going to provide all our needs, then maybe for you and your household, the need is not money. Maybe the need is not food. Maybe the need is not shelter. But the need is you can't even walk out of the house without feeling fearful. So we need to have an expectation. There's some people that are walking around, Christians, Christians, born again, Holy Ghost living inside them on their way to heaven, but they have no, no desire to even get out of bed in the morning because they haven't tapped into their purpose yet. Well, then for you, you need to have an expectation and we get up in the morning that God's going to show you your purpose for that day, that God's going to give you the strength that you need, that God's going to give you in your soul the emotional fortitude, the emotional uh, strength that you need to face the day. It's no, you don't use any more faith for that than you use for faith for I need a bill to get paid or faith for I don't have any food in my house. Are you, are you getting this? In other words, we all have needs. They might be in different categories, but we all have needs. Yes or no? Yes. Some of them are relational needs. There's some people that, that have everything else in their life, but they're the loneliest people in the world. They don't have friends. They don't have trusted relationships. They don't have people in their life that they can feel safe with. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So for that person, they need to have an expectation when they get up in the morning. Just like, remember the illustration we used last week of the Israelites in the desert? What, 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 what was the thing that God sent them to eat? Manna. What is it? Manna. Manna. Every day. Every day they had to get up. Every day they had to get up and go out of their tent. They had to have the strength. They had to have the fortitude. Every day they had to have faith that when they walked out, when they put their sandals on, walked out of their tent, that God was going to provide the manna for them that day. Yes or no? Yes. Well, you and I need to walk in that same kind of faith on an everyday basis. And he will not let us down. But you have to initiate this. You start trusting God. We don't tell the God, hey, God, if you do this, then I'll trust you. You'll never see it. Oh, man, I, just, I, just, I felt like I just hit a nerve there. I felt like I just hit a nerve. If you're that type of person, well, when God does it, then I'll believe. No, no, you believe first, then you see it. You'll never see it. 
Well, when I see him come through, no, you're not going to see it. Don't, you, don't, don't even have any expectation. You're not going to see it. You put the trust out first, and then he meets you with grace. What do we do? We release our faith first, and then that faith that you release triggers the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So we got that down, right? But Psalm 68 says he daily loads us with blessings. Daily, daily, daily. It doesn't show up like an Amazon truck in front and just unload everything. It's daily. Why? Because he wants us to have a daily trust relationship with him. Why is that important? Because when it becomes a lifestyle, when it becomes habitual, when it becomes that you're not even thinking, it's your natural default to get up every day and trust him, guess what? You are developing your faith that when the big thing comes, you'll laugh at it. Amen. You'll laugh at it. Are you listening to me? Amen. All right, so let's get into to this, this weekend's message now. That was review. Now, here's the important stuff. Because you see, there's no use grabbing that, getting a hold of it, If, while you're waiting for your daily miracle, don't start complaining. I'm going to say it a couple of times so that it, 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 it penetrates, okay? While you're waiting for your daily miracle, don't start complaining. Stay in faith. Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. I'll, I'll try over here, too. While you're waiting for your everyday miracle, do not start complaining. Stay in faith. Guard that faith. Nourish that faith. Protect that faith. Don't do it. Because you're going to have to, in other words, you'll start establishing a negative track record instead of establishing a positive track record. Listen, listen, listen to this. Do not grumble and mumble because the thing you're expecting has not happened yet. Do not grumble and mumble because the thing that you're expecting has not happened yet. Okay? Do not be like the ungodly who act like God has never come through for them before. We call them mumblers and grumblers. Could you say that with me? Mumblers and grumblers. You got to say it. You got to say the mumbling. Good. Mumble. Mumblers. Mumblers and grumblers. Now listen. Watch this now. Now I know it's nobody in here that does this. But so that you have a, you know, a kind of a, a, measuring, a measuring rod, measuring stick, because you might know people that do this. Now watch the danger of this. They mumble to themselves and then they grumble to others so they affect other people's faith. These guys got it. They mumble to themselves, and then they grumble to others. Because you see, you got to work up your mumbling first before you can grumble to somebody else. So you mumble to yourself. You mumble. You walk around the house. I don't understand this. I don't understand. This. I don't understand. This. I don't understand why so and so's got it easier than me. I don't understand why so and so went to the doctor. Everything worked out good. I've been going to the doctors for weeks and nothing's happened. I and you start. And you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're just stirring yourself up because your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. But then it comes a point in your soul where you're not satisfied with that. Now you got to make somebody else miserable too. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Can I get an amen? Amen. Mumble, 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 and then grumble, grumble, grumble. See, now, you, now, you're, now you're, no, 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 you're not satisfied to be miserable by yourself. You're not satisfied that you undermined your own faith. Now you've got to get on the phone with somebody else, and you go, I don't understand what's going on. And, and, and that person now, they're fighting their own battle. They start going, they're right. They're right. How come this ain't Now that person, now you turn that person into a, a, a mumbler, which eventually will cause them to be grumbled. It's almost like that zombie series. You know, when they got that bite, all of a sudden they became the zombie too. Do you want to be a zombie? No. Do you want to make somebody else a zombie? No. Then don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Say, well, you know, I do have questions. Keep them in your head. Because if you can defeat those thoughts here, They'll never come out of here, and you won't become a mumbler, mumbler. I cannot take mumblers. I can't take it. I don't know about you, but I have no place. I cannot listen to that stuff at all. No patience for that, because it's so contagious, and we have no vaccine for it. You've got to catch it. You gotta get a hold, you gotta stomp it, and you gotta just crush it while it's a thought before it starts coming out of here. And if you and if you can't help that, then lock yourself in a room by yourself and don't let anybody else hear you mumbling. <laughs> You're gonna affect the faith of other people, and you don't want to do that. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Mara, could you say that, Mara? The water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, bitter, okay? Now, this is interesting, because in, the Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word they're telling us, Mara, means bitter, which is an easy one for me to remember because it's almost the same in Italian. Amaro, okay? Bitter. But this bitter here is a little bit more than just you tasted the sauce and it's too acidy, it's bitter. No, this is different. This is different than I've had a, 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 a bad news and my heart's starting to get... No, listen to what this bitter. Bitter... This comes from the root word marim, Hebrew. Bitter in the sense of being rebellious, contentious, or fault-finding. That's bitter on steroids. You listening to me? Because now, now, whoever you were around, if you're mumbling, mumble, 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 and it's coming from a heart that's mara, now you're going to instill seeds in other people of what? rebelliousness, contentiousness, and fault-finding. Now the spirit, that critical spirit, comes upon an individual. And they look for things to poke at. You ever been around people like that? They look for things to poke. They look for the button to push. Why? Because they figure, I'm miserable. Why should you be happy? Is this too real this morning? Is this too real this morning? No. Because this is the stuff that's eating our lunch. This is the stuff that's causing us to, to, to 
disconnect from our everyday faith. Because people, there are many people, Christians, Christians, of course, nobody in here, Christians, though, okay, that walk around, going to heaven, they might even be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and everything, whose hearts are bitter, rebellious, contentious, and fault-finding. They use the occasion of not having drinkable water as an excuse to criticize, to rebel against, and to blame Moses without cause. And really, who they're blaming is God. Because Moses, in this case, is representative of God. So when, when they act this way towards him, they really, really would want to say it to God, but they don't have the guts to. And the mumble. Mumble. Say mumble. And what happens next? Grumble. Verse 24. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. You notice this? Look, let's be honest with each other. All of them couldn't have become, all of them weren't mumblers on day one. All of them were not mumblers. It's impossible that two to two and a half million people, all of them were mumbling. How do we know it's impossible? Because Moses would have said, you know what? Stay on the other side of the Red Sea. I'll go by myself. They cooperated to that point. Are you getting this? Yes. So watch now. now. Now, I've taught this in the past. It tells us in the scriptures, go look in the book of Exodus, that when they all came out of Egypt, there also came with them those that were called, I can't remember the, the, the exact phrase that the Bible uses. Mixed multitude, thank you. I couldn't, I couldn't grab a hold of that. And, and it says, and the mixed multitude, a mixed multitude went with them. What does that tell us? People that were non-Israelites. People that really weren't trusting God. People that weren't in it for God. They weren't going to, because what was the command that God gave Moses? Tell Pharaoh, let my people go, that they may worship me. So when they left, their intention was to leave slavery so they could go worship God. Yes or no? Yes. But it says, and with them went the mixed multitude. These would have been Egyptians that just wanted to get out from underneath Pharaoh. God bless you. That just wanted to get out from underneath Pharaoh. There are people that come, in, that come into church only because they want to get out from underneath their problems. They really don't want to worship God. Amen. They just want relief. Are you listening to me? Yes. This is good stuff here. Yes. They just want relief from the pressures of life. So let me go to church. Because when I go to church, I feel better. Honey, this church ain't about feeling better. If you're always feeling better every time you leave here, I'm not doing my job. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you always feel better when you leave the doctor's office? No. And what if the doctor goes, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings, so I'm not going to tell you you've got three days to live. <laughs> what kind of a doctor would that be? Not, not helping you. Listen, we have to be careful that we don't fall into that mixed multitude category because they got the other two and a half million people so disgusted with their mumbling and mumbling and who's Moses thinking it and who, and you know, we should go back to Egypt. In Egypt, we had wonderful melons and the fish and the onions and the leeks. They were starving to death. They were starving. I love when I hear people talk about the good old days. And I, and I knew them in the good old days. And I'm thinking, Mr. who are you kidding? I knew what your life was like back then. 
and now you're complaining that you wish we good old, what good old days? You were just as miserable back then in the good old days as you are now. Are you listening to me? They undermined the rest of the people's faith and turned them against Moses. Then the people complained they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. Thank God he had enough sense. Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, but literally it was a tree. Moses threw it into the water, and made the water good to drink. And it was there at Marah, at Mara, that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness. And it goes on to say that if you follow my statutes, obey my commands, I will allow none of the diseases that came on the Egyptians to come on you, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, what happened? What's the problem here? They got to a point where they needed water. They came, to a, they came to a pool. Now, they're in an oasis. In an oasis. In an oasis is surrounded by what? Desert. But what do you have in the oasis? You have a, a small body of water surrounded by what? Trees. Now, that tree is always, the tree in the scriptures is always representative of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might remember 1 Peter 2.24 says, whom they nailed to the tree, who they hung on the tree, depending on your translation that you're using. And by his stripes, we are healed. Tree is always symbolic of the cross. I I want you to get that. Say it with me. The tree is always symbolic of the cross. So what happens here? They get to a place, they had an expectation, our problems are over. We found water. When they tasted the water, the water was what? bitter couldn't drink it what got introduced into the equation a tree which is really what the cross honey when we come to a place in life that has become bitter you're going to have to introduce the cross you're going to have to introduce Jesus you've got to bring Jesus into the equation especially especially if you think God has let you down I know I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many people have had to happen, okay? But every single one of us are capable of getting to that place and thinking, God let me down. I was expecting this, and it never happened. Watch that. Because you see, you operate by one calendar. God operates by another calendar. It ain't over yet. You might not have seen it, but it ain't over. Turn to somebody and say, it ain't over yet. Ain't over yet. And listen, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. You listening to me? Moses got, thank God, Moses had enough sense. He brings the problem to God in faith. God showed Moses that symbol of the cross, and he made a bitter experience sweet. And he'll do the same thing for you. At the bitter places where God introduces himself as the healer. He set a precedent and made a promise to them, and that promise continues to today. Now watch this now. Watch this now. Listen close. It was at their place of bitterness that the Israelites choose to turn on Moses with rebellion, criticism, and false accusation. Instead of joining Moses in faith, they forsook their faith 
and it turned into rebellion. Now, again, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, do you happen to remember when we first started reading this portion of Scripture? It says they went through the Red Sea, they started proceeding towards the wilderness, and three days later, say that, three days. Three days. days. It's only been three days since they saw the Red Sea part. I'm going to say it again because I don't know if you got it. It's only been three days. Three days is what, 72 hours? In 72 hours, they went from seeing the greatest miracle that just about has ever happened in history, except for the resurrection. And in three days, they lost their everyday faith to believe for a little thing like water. You say, how could they do that? Listen to me. I don't know why we got to cover this so much, but we have to. Mumbling will make you forget about the things that God did for you. Listen to me. The, look, at, look at me, because I know this isn't you, but you're learning this so you can teach somebody else. Mumbling. The person that has a lifestyle of mumbling and grumbling, no matter what God does for them, it's never enough. I'll say it again. The person that has gotten themselves enslaved and entrapped with mumbling and grumbling never, is never satisfied with what God could pour out the entire universe. They're always looking for the next thing. Yeah, yeah, he gave me the whole universe, but you know, I was really, I thought, you know, maybe he would do it this way. I've seen it. You got to remember, I've been in this thing for almost 40 years now. I've been pastoring for 26 years now. The same group of individuals. Not like I've been pastoring 10 different churches. I've been here from the beginning. I'll be here until my last breath. You listening to me? You see a few things. You hang around like that, you see a few things. And it's just amazing, amazing. How a person could be on the verge of death. God could raise them up out of deathbed. And within a week, they're grumbling, complaining because, I don't know. Look at the car I'm driving. Look at the car. You're lucky you're alive. You're lucky your heart's still beating. You're worrying about the car you're driving? Is this too real? This is every day. What did you come here to hear? Fairy tales? This is everyday life. Understand that you have a God that will meet you at that bitter place when you turn to him in faith. When you turn to him in faith. Don't ever forget that that tree is symbolic of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Luke chapter 4. Got to move fast. You're going to have to listen fast. Got to move fast. Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes to the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth. Hometown, Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a small village. How many synagogues do you think they had? One. So everybody in that synagogue knows who he is. He's grown, he grew up in that town. Remember this? Remember, he grew up in Nazareth. Right? Born where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, but grew up where? Nazareth. In fact, he's probably three, four years old when they moved to Nazareth, okay? So they all know him. He gets up. The person in charge hands him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, back then, each book of the Bible was in a different scroll. 
the Old Testament. So they hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He puts it on that pulpit. They call it the bema. They put that on the pulpit, and he's, he's, he's turning. He's, he's unscrolling it because he's got to get to a certain place. Why? Because he knows who he is. And he unrolls it, and he comes to almost the end of the book, what we call chapter 61. And this is what Jesus says. Watch this now. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, release from, release from, from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now, Zion is symbolic of the church. It doesn't take the place of the church. The church doesn't take the place of Zion, but Zion is symbolic of the church. So to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Keep listening, because now the important part is coming. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And now, now, see, we don't, we don't understand it. See, when you were in mourning back then, okay, you're in some cultures today, you weren't even supposed to wash your face. You wouldn't brush your teeth. You, you, you don't do anything. You, why? Because you're in mourning. And, and so now he's saying, I'll give you the oil of joy in place of mourning, okay? Now look at the next phrase. And a garment of, read it with me, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, because your translation might say the spirit of heaviness. Now that word in Hebrew, keha, means fainting, a heavy spirit. Have you ever had that come on you? We all of us out of nowhere. Or, or, or you might have listened to somebody's grumbling and didn't have enough sense to say, uh, excuse me, I can't listen to this stuff. Well, that would be rude. What would you rather have, rude? Or the end results of hearing somebody else's grumbling? Okay? And then all of a sudden, this heaviness comes on you. And you can't even figure out where it's coming from. Anybody ever had that happen to them? This, this depression, this, this gloom and doom, this cloud all of a sudden comes. He said here, we'll receive from God a what a pra- garment, what, come on, a garment of praise, a garment of praise. Let me ask you a question. When you get up in the morning, you're going to get dressed. Do the clothes jump out of the closet? Do the dresser drawers open and the, cl- the clothing just jumps out and goes on you? What, does it? Because if that's happened in your house, we need to come and pray <laughs> and anoint your doorways with oil because there's something going on there that's not natural, okay? Am I right? Yeah. What do you have to do with the clothes? You have to put them on. And what does he say here? A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, pastor, what does it have to do with what we're teaching? In the everyday, when we don't see the things come to pass and the timing that we believe they should happen, and that depression tries to come on you, and that temptation to mumble and grumble and complain and, and question God, and I don't know about this stuff, and a pastor doesn't know what he's talking about, he's teaching this stuff, but this stuff doesn't work for me. When you're tempted to do that, when that feeling that comes out of nowhere, it's almost like somebody comes and just throws a wet blanket on you. Are you going to stand there and go... I just, I just don't feel it today. I just, I just don't understand. It just feels so heavy today. I just feel, I'm just, I'm just going to stay home. I'm so depressed today. 
Oh, shut up. What are you going to do? If you're smart, what are you going to go put on? A garment of praise. 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 Well, pastor, how do you expect me to praise when I feel like that? By faith. You tell your soul, you're going to praise God today. No matter what happens, you're going to praise God today. Because it's a principle that's in the word. The garment is something you put on. And you put it on by faith. Why is this important? Because your praise in the middle of that heaviness is your response to what God has already said and you respond with faith-filled praise. Do not get discouraged. Stay in faith. Remind yourself of God's goodness and faithfulness. Build your faith up the same way you established it to begin with. Get in the word. Get in the word. Like, you know, when, I'm in, when I'm in a mood like that, I don't feel like reading. Uh, yeah? Well, when you got sick when you were a little kid, what did your mother do? She spoon-fed you soup. But I don't, I don't want it. I don't. No, open your mouth. You got to eat this. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to eat it. So open your mouth. I don't feel like eating. I have no appetite. It's got nothing to do with appetite. It has to do with getting that in you so that you can feel better. Some of us come to church and we stand there doing praise and worship, carrying all the way, all the weight of the world on our shoulders. Oh, if they only knew what I'm going through. Oh, please, I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to seem in part, but honestly, what you're going through doesn't matter at that point in time. Do you want to keep going through it? Do you, want, do you want to keep going through it? Is that going to help you? Okay, what do you think? Everybody else is going to feel sorry for you? And even if they did, would that help anything? Because now you're all miserable. Oh, all crying on each other's shoulders, all sitting in the corner. You put on the garment of praise. Oh, that's easy for you to say. Look at you. You're the pastor. Honey, where were you when we were in bankruptcy? Where were you when I had to go looking through the coat pockets for coins to go buy a, a quart of milk for my kid? Where were you when we didn't know when the pay, last, next pair of shoes were going to come? Where were you then? I've learned, we've learned this stuff by practice, by experience. I'm not teaching you out of a book. I'm teaching you from the word of God. But I am teaching you from the word of God based on experience. Are you listening to me? I know what it's like when it feels like everything is running through your hands like sand. And no matter what you try to do, you can't get a hold of it. I know what it's like when you feel like everything is lost. I know what it's like to walk away from houses and cars and businesses and still having to raise four kids and a wife to take care of. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, I hope to God you never have to go through that situation. But listen to me. That's when you learn who your God is. When in the middle of all this junk, foreclosure letters, uh, bankruptcy attorneys. I, I said to the attorney, if I had the money to afford to hire you, I wouldn't be in debt. I'd be able to pay my bills. Are you listening? I'm not crying to you. I'm just saying, this stuff works. I remember my brother one time calling me up in the middle of the, of the bankruptcy. We're waiting any day to get thrown out of our house. Now, it's one thing if you're single, but when you've got four kids and a wife, it's a little bit of a problem. They have no place to live, okay? So my brother calls me up and he goes, I don't know how you're doing it. Now, he wasn't a believer then. Okay, he is now, thank God. But back then, he said to me, we're talking about in the 90s. Uh, I, uh, he said to me, I don't know how you're doing it. I said, I don't know how I'm doing it. Only for the fact that if I did not have Jesus Christ in my life, my next move would be to go find a cinder block and a piece of rope and tie that piece of rope around the cinder block, tie the other piece around my neck, and then take a walk on the Point Pleasant boardwalk till I get to the inlet and throw myself in. 
but God. Amen. Now, did that happen overnight? Of course not. That's why it's so important for us to develop our faith for the everyday little things. The everyday little things. Because when you build your faith on the everyday little things, then your faith becomes strong enough that when the big problems show up, you're ready. You're ready. Amen? One more scripture. One more scripture. The praise and worship team can come out. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets. You probably read it this morning. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 3. Now listen, listen. I hope to God that you're mature enough to realize, well, I don't have a fig tree, I don't have vines, I don't have olive trees. You, you substitute whatever you, wherever you're expecting your increase to come from, whatever investment, whatever job, your health, whatever. Look what the prophet says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. Though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, next verse, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. You getting this? Yes. Replace your mumbling with a song. Replace your grumbling with a song that's going to encourage somebody else. Replace it. Replace it. And soon enough, you'll see after a time, you'll wake up in the morning with a song in your heart. You'll and it'll be a song that you need for that day. Amen? Amen. Replace it. The mumbling is going to try to come. The grumbling is going to try to come. But grab, a whole, grab it by its skinny little neck and just choke the life out of it. And let me tell you something else. You really want to aggravate the devil? How many of you here have ever had the devil aggravate you? Let me see. How many here have ever? You want to aggravate him? The more he hits you, sing. Sing. Only crazy people do that. Thank you. That drives him out of his mind. Because the one thing he wants to get out of your mouth and get away from you is you praising God. He wants you to mumble, wants you to grumble, wants you to complain against God, wants you to complain against your faith, wants to complain against everything. Because he knows if he can get you to grumble and complain, you'll never see the promises of God come to pass. Are you listening to me? Yes. Are you ready to do some singing? Yes. Should we go out of here today rejoicing? Yes. Come on, stand up.